Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Today, we've got part one of our conversation with Tom Ferry, one of the most powerful leaders in trying to return sanity back to youth sports. Let's get to it. One of the most important figures in sports wasn't a five-star recruit. He didn't win an Olympic medal, and he never signed a multi-million dollar contract with a sports franchise. No, Tom Ferry grew up in South Florida, about 10 blocks from a beach, and his childhood was filled with hours and days jumping into waves and playing sandlot and pickup ball games with his neighborhood friends. After graduating from the University of Florida, Tom's desire to make a difference led him into journalism, where he developed a reputation for his hard-hitting and investigative pieces that took him all over the world. He won countless awards for his work, but several of his investigations centered around youth sports, which time once projected had grown into a $15 billion industry, a far cry from how sports were played when he and I was a child. In 2008, Tom published a book, Game On, the all-American race to make champions of our children, an investigation into youth sports. You can hear my conversation with Tom why he ultimately transitioned out of journalism. But in 2011, Tom founded the Sports and Society Program at Aspen Institute, an internationally acclaimed nonprofit think tank that often tackles key issues of the world. For more than 60 years, the Aspen Institute has become a thought leader in many settings through seminars and conferences and through its initiatives and programs. I have appreciated the data that the Sports and Society program has collected over the years, along with its aggressive efforts to turn the tide of many of the ills in youth sports that are, and in many spaces, considered norms. In 2013, the Aspen Institute launched Project Play, which aims to increase participation of children in sports and make it more accessible to all young athletes, regardless of race and socioeconomic standing. It's no surprise the San Diego Union called Project Play, quote, the conscience of youth sports, end quote. Tom has done a wonderful job of leading the Institute's sports and society program, and I am honored to have him join us on Winning Is Not Everything. I am honored to be joined today by Tom Ferry, the director of the Aspen Sports and Society Program. Tom is a very distinguished former journalist and also is just doing wonders in the world of sports and youth. So thank you so much for joining me, Tom. Good to be here, Sean. Appreciate it. So Tom, one of the staple questions I always ask my guests, what's your favorite childhood sports-related memory? Mm, Wow, well, I'm a kid who grew up in South Florida, um, 10 blocks from the beach, going to that beach every weekend and running around on the sand and jumping, you know, in the waves, pretending I'm, you know, Mercury Morris, who was the running back for the Miami Dolphins in the uh, early 1970s, pretending I'm Mercury Morris, jumping over the waves and, you know, at the goal line, uh, going down to the junior women's club lot and making up uh, sandlot games with my friends, playing football. Just a really varied experience. It wasn't one particular thing, but a lot of my best memories, honestly, were unstructured free play um, pickup games. Likewise, that's definitely something I, I enjoyed about my experience too growing up. Was there a coach who really encouraged and inspired you when you were younger? 
a coach who inspired me. I mean, I had a, what I thought was a good coach, you know, in, in Little League. Uh, he was a police officer, and I thought he was a really responsible actor. You know, my father was coach of my t-ball team, and we had good fun then. I'll, so I'll go with my dad. My dad was probably the best, best coach, and it's mostly because he just wanted to have fun and uh, set a good tone. What's a valuable lesson you learned through a challenge or defeat related to sports? Did you kind of have one of those kind of defining moments when you were younger? I mean, I remember one time in Little League, we were, uh, there was a, I was playing right field and there was a pop fly. You know, I ran onto it and yeah, it definitely was going to fall in foul territory. And I had that moment where I could either just let it fall and no harm, right? Or I could really just extend myself, just go for it, put myself at a little bit of risk, maybe, and uh, just try. And I did. I chose the latter path and dove and then looked up. And what do you know? There's a ball at the end of my glove, like a snow cone. And that was a bit of a, you know, revelation for me, a little bit of a lesson about, you know, the value of just extending yourself and going for it and seeing what happens. And that stayed with me the rest of my life. Tom, you had a, an incredibly award-winning career at ESPN. And uh, in 2011, you sort of started on this path. What inspired you and compelled you to make this commitment around the incredible work that you're doing now? Mm, um, just a desire to make a difference. I mean, it's actually the same motivation that prompted me to go into journalism for the first time. You thought by storytelling and reporting and investigative reporting, you'd be able to ferret out wrongs and, you know, make them right. You know, I mean, I really enjoyed my time with ESPN and the Seattle Times before that. Very rewarding. Went around the world, met a lot of great people, asked a lot, you know, had a chance to ask a lot of great questions, um, produce stories, the paycheck shows up and, you know, it's, it's just a wonderful job really in many ways. But I will say that at some point, I got a little bit frustrated that I would spend all this time breaking down a problem and, you know, put together a story or maybe even a half hour show or even more. And people might cry or they might feel something and uh, maybe their world changed a little bit. Maybe they had some kind of insight as they moved forward. There's definitely value in that. But, you know, like an hour later or two days later, everybody moves on. And I didn't see the policy changes occurring. I didn't see the systems level changes occurring when obvious wrongs were were identified when it comes to access to sport or uh, health and safety matters or diversity matters or whatever else it may be. So I felt like someone's got to go try and solve these problems or create the conditions for people to solve these problems. So that's when I partnered with the Aspen Institute, uh, which is really, um, you know, a first class convener, uh, the ability to get all the right people around the table, shape the problem, develop a shared salute, you know, agenda, and then go attack it. So once, you know, I mean, I really had this desire to make a difference in youth sports. And uh, I saw Aspen as a a great way to potentially do that. Uh, so my interests over time began to really shift away from reporting, uh, as great as it was, and I still think of myself as a journalist, to being a developer of shared solutions.
What's something you're really proud of in the work that you've been able to do with your organization? I'm really proud of the hundreds of thousands of organizations that have become part of the Project Play Network. Organizations that, you know, understand the conversation that we are trying to shape, that are will- that really want to make a difference, uh, that are making a difference in their own communities, that are connecting with um, other folks within our network. They're sharing ideas, they're developing tools, they're mobilizing leaders, they're uh, doing research, they're starting companies, they're developing technology, all sorts of amazing things have, have flowed from getting people around the table, stakeholders who care about sports and saying, okay, how do we make sports, uh, you know, accessible to every, a good experience accessible to every kid in this country, regardless of zip code or ability. Yeah, and it's it's been remarkable just the strides and and like I said, one of the things I love about what you guys do is you do really hard, ambitious studies, and instead of just theorizing, you get actual data and people to provide input, you know, without sort of you know preconceived expectations and things. And so I, I just am really a huge fan of the data that you guys are providing because frankly, I can't find any other credible data. You know, I think it's easy for people to just say, hey, I think this is happening. But you guys put actual numbers on that stuff. And so I really commend you guys, you know, for those efforts. Tom, you wrote a book, just an incredible topic, Game On, the All-American Race to Make Champions of Our Children. What was one of those big takeaways that really stuck with you? The thing that I always talk about is I feel like youth sports right now is really focused on the top 10%, you know, and lost in the shuffle are just kids like me, frankly. I was a good athlete as a kid, but I wasn't a Division One recruit, and it still shaped my childhood in an incredible way, and I don't think when I was a kid I could afford the sport that I participated in today's climate because my family just didn't have the money. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think the big takeaway for the book for me was um, this sports system that we created where we sort the weak from the strong um, before they grow into their bodies and their minds and their true interests. I mean, we're doing this when we create these trial-based travel teams and, and, you know, first grade sometimes now, you know, and we start ranking kids in fourth grade and we start you know, putting them on all these elite chasing teams, you know, scholarship chasing teams when they're 11 years old. It, it's just, it's just so unproductive. I mean, it can lead to, yes, a college scholarship. It can lead to a professional career. You can create your own little Tiger Woods, maybe, but there are an awful lot of kids who it just doesn't work out for. It's like throwing eggs against the wall and seeing which ones don't break. You know, it's, it's not the definition of a good sports system. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big takeaway for me is, is we, we've got to build a better system than that. We've got to make one that's accessible to all kids. Wait for the late bloomers. Wait for the kids who start their sport a little bit later. You know, has room for the kids whose, you know, dad isn't training, training them to play shortstop or pitcher from a very early age. Because um, if we don't, then sports in this country are going to become uh, less of a cultural uh, institution than, than it has been. I mean, we, we've taken the, the base of sports for granted and we're starting to see the results of, uh, of, of doing that. But with young people now, teenagers, people that are in their 20s, millennials, they're not as interested in sports as uh, you know kids from my generation. They're just not. 
avid fans. I mean, they're sort of interested, but they're not really that interested, you know? So it's, and, and, and the data from sports media companies and leagues bears that out. And so that's all about squaring the pyramid at an early age. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can get part two of my talk with Tom Ferry as soon as it's available next week. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you next time.